Thank you so much, Joe, for singing. I'd like to take a moment and, and go to the Lord in prayer. We have many that we need to be praying for in our church. Um, I'm not going to name all of them, but we do have a praise. Miss Billy that we have been praying for is, oh, we need to let children go. I'm sorry. I saw, thank you, Karen and my wife for not killing me. Uh, children, you are dismissed to Children's Church. We are blessed to see all of you here. Head on out. And there goes my boy. He's gone. All right. As our little ones head out the door today, I just watched my son just and gone. Like he did not wait for anybody. A little kid walks around, thinks he owns the place. I swear. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. There's several we want to pray for. Uh, Miss Billy Justice, who uh, Dickon was a deacon at our church, and Dick and Billy were an important part of our church for many, many years. She had uh, surgery um, a couple weeks ago. She is now home. She has eaten a little bit. She is doing better. And so we want to praise God for that. Uh, Miss Evelyn Braden um, has been put on hospice care. Um, and we want to be lifting her and the family up in prayer. Uh, tomorrow, we also have the funeral services. And on Tuesday, we have the internment for, uh, for Philip Gleason. And so we want to be lifting up the Gleason family as well. And I know there are many other things we need to be praying about. So let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we come before you this morning, God, and we see just a tremendous need in our church. God, there's no question that as a church begins to mobilize and wants to get the gospel out and get the gospel to every home, God, that we are going to face spiritual warfare. And, and we see that in, in so many different ways in our church. When we see uh, uh, people hurting and suffering, we see uh, homes being tried and, and, and challenged. God, we see those that, that, that we love dearly that are on beds of sickness and, and, and know that they may be going to, to be with you soon. God, we lift up each and every one that we have mentioned this morning and the many others that, that you have laid on our hearts throughout this week. God, we pray that, that the marriages that are struggling, God, that you would heal them and that you would restore uh, just a loving marriage. God, we pray for those that, that know that their time on this earth may not be long. God, we pray that you would, would be merciful with them. And God, if it is your will to heal them and heal them in a miraculous way, then God, we pray that will be so. But God, if it is your will to heal them by calling them home to be with you, then God, we pray that their passing would be one of comfort and peace, knowing that you are sovereign over all things. God, we lift up the families of those that will be left behind and indeed the families of those that are already um, picking up and, and, and having to move forward and, and having to, to say goodbye and do those things. God, we pray for your grace and mercy to be on them. Lord, as we have many in the room today that are, are here on Mother's Day and their mother has gone to be with you, and even recently, God, we pray for your grace. Lord, we pray grace for the mothers that, that have lost their loved ones. God, we pray that your hand would be on every one of them. God, that you would comfort them, Lord, that you would remind them that, that separation in this world is not separation for eternity. And that, God, if we will place our hope and trust in you, that if we would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him as Lord, that, that, that there will be an eternity where all of us will be together because all of us will be with you. God, we pray that your spirit would overshadow all those that we are thinking of and praying for and mentioning specifically today. And that God, through that, they might find comfort and peace and that they would respond in worship and glory to you. 
Lord, we ask these things in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Mother's Day is a fun day at church, and it's always a blessing to see many more that have come to enjoy church with their mamas today. Um, I even have my mama-in-law with me today, so I have to watch what I say um, and how I say it. Um, This is a day that we get to celebrate mothers, grandmothers, and really, as I've already mentioned, all the women in our life that have made us what we are today. Many of us in the room, and I would probably dare say most of us in the room, know that there has been at least one woman or maybe even a multitude of women women that have pointed us to Christ or helped us along the way as we have fulfilled our call and our mission to Christ. And some of them most certainly had the name mom. Maybe they weren't our mom, but they were a mom. As I look back on my childhood, I'm reminded that, that every summer, my mother was the one that not only took me to vacation Bible school, but was a teacher there and said that we would get there early and I would get where I needed to be. And as I was going through my day at vacation Bible school, my mom would be there. Now, she wasn't always my teacher, and I can only assume that she had to be in my brother's class because he was more poorly behaved than I was. And she trusted me more, but she had to watch him. Um, he's not watching, so I can say whatever I want to say about him. Um, But she was there. And over and over again, she was one. In fact, I would even say that when when I came when I came back to Christ in my college years, when I when I recognized that I was walking on my own and, and I needed to turn my life back to Jesus, the first person I saw on that Sunday morning when I came back to church after years of not being there was my mother. And she was the one that turned and looked, and I and I'll never forget my mother's face when I showed up to church unexpected. And the joy that was there, and and, and it felt good. It felt like I was home, even though I wasn't at my home. My mother was also the one who encouraged me to meet this new youth minister in our church that, that she really liked. And by this point, my little sister was in the youth group, and my mom had started serving as a teacher and a volunteer in the youth group. And it was my mother who, when I started going to church, and I said, I really want to do this. I want to take this Jesus thing seriously. She said, you need to talk to Rick. And Rick Rotaheaver was, was most, most assuredly that, that minister that really stepped into my life and set me on this path. And it was her that, that made that connection and invited me to come and to just sit in on the youth group at the church I'd grown up in, even though I was in my 20s by this point. There's no question to me that that simple invitation by my mother set me on the path that would lead me to this pulpit today. Even today, as I mentioned, my mother-in-law is here. And there was a point where I was asked to step into the youth minister role at my first church at Midway Heights Baptist Church in Columbia, Missouri. And I'll be honest with you, the way that I stepped into that role was, was not the traditional way. There was no search committee, there was no um, interview, there was no vote, there was nothing formal about it. In fact, what happened was the previous minister disappeared and the pastor just said, hey, you're here, what do you think about being a youth minister? And, and that all set that course. And what happened was, is by the time it was kind of said and done, no one had really voted on me being the youth minister. I wasn't really um, officially the youth minister. In fact, I didn't become the official youth minister of that church until almost Christmas time. 
but suddenly they said, hey, this guy's here and he's going to take over. And it was my mother-in-law who went into the youth committee, which was a committee of other mothers who weren't too sure about this young guy who came out of nowhere. And it was my mother-in-law who went to all of her mother friends and said, give this guy a chance because I think he can do something. I, I know him. I let him marry my daughter, which I think is a sign of trust. I think she may have just tried to, was trying to get rid of Liz because she told me there were no returns. But it would not be an exaggeration to say that any success that I have had in ministry both at that church and even in coming here is a direct result of that woman's support, encouragement, prayer, and trust. I am confident that we could go around this room and many of us could talk about the mothers or other women in our lives that have made a significant impact on our walk with the Lord because they, because they were there. Because they encouraged us, they prayed for us, they taught our Sunday school classes, or were there in our youth group, they invited us into, our, into their homes. I hear stories, I don't think she's here, but I've heard stories of Miss Jean Bird and how Jean and Arville were the youth ministers here at one time, and they would invite everyone to their house, and they would go, I think, into the basement and have Bible studies and do stuff. And I have no doubt that Miss Jean loved many like a mother, and has had an impact on many in this room. We could give dozens of other examples. Dennis's mom, I think of. I mean, Beth, you probably know most of your Bible from being, because she was your, day, your daycare, wasn't she? Godly women who love the Lord, who take the skills and the characteristics that God has given them and use that to pour into the next generation and has made a difference. And I would dare argue that our church is here today and what it is today because of dozens and dozens of godly women who love the Lord and wanted to make him known among, the, among younger people. With that in mind, I want to look at an example of this in scripture, one that we just get a piece of, we just get a hint of, but one I think we can look at today and begin to really understand what a special relationship it is that to have one generation pour into the next generation and pour into the next generation. This example is found in a letter to Timothy, the second letter to Timothy. And it is talking about, Paul is talking about the relationship between Timothy and his mother and his grandmother. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm guessing it's on the board, so you're already there. Let's take just a moment and let's read 2 Timothy 1. Chapter 1, it's actually chapter 1, not chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Okay, you got to keep you guys on your toes. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience that the way my fathers did, as I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, longing to see you even as I recall your tears so that I may be filled with joy. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois, and your mother Eunice, 
and I am sure that it is in you as well. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Please be seated. As we look at this passage today, I want to really focus in on on verse 5, and I want us to think about what it's saying there as he talks about this legacy of faith that is is now living on in Timothy. And as we do so, I want to make two observations about the passage and also make one charge or one exhortation to us from this passage. So let's begin. Let's talk about these two observations. First thing I want us to notice and I want us to think about from this passage is this. A mother's faith matters. A mother's faith matters. Look again at verse 5 in this passage. It says, For I want to remind you of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. Paul is clearly communicating to Timothy that he he had inherited this remarkable faith from those lovely ladies. This was an inheritance to him. This was a gift that he got from them. Now, I don't want us to think today that that means that he played no part in it. That this was just something he got. I don't want you to think for a moment that Timothy was this young man who had been brainwashed by his parents or or that this was some part of his genetic makeup. There's no gene in your body that distinguishes you between being a church person and not a church person. There's nothing in our DNA that makes us Christian or even prone to Christianity. It is pure the grace of God. On the contrary, Paul is telling us that Timothy saw and experienced the faith of his mother and grandmother, and that helped him form the faith that he has, and the faith that, he, that, that Paul is writing about in this letter. Undoubtedly, it was not so much that, that they told them about their faith, that they didn't remind him all the time, well, oh, you know, I got faith in Jesus. It wasn't the words that they spoke that led to this sincere faith that we see in Timothy, but it was the way that they handled things. It was the way that they responded to situations. It was the way they used their words. It was the way they loved people. It was the way they prioritized their life that he was able to see and experience and take on himself. We see a little bit of this in the first encounter that Paul has with Timothy in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16, starting in in verse 1, it says this, that Paul also came to Derb and to Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but also, and also a man who was Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. It is important for us to note that it was in Lystra that Paul had been stoned and left for dead and was done so by people from Antioch and Lystra and Iconium. This was a faith that Timothy had experienced and had seen 
tested in his mother and his grandmother. It wasn't that they were just going through life without a care in the world, loving Jesus, and everything was hunky-dory. They were part of a group of Christians that had been persecuted, that had watched a major influence. In fact, the founder of their church, Paul, be stoned to death. And they were there when he was lying on the ground dead and then got up, brushed himself off, and went back into the city to encourage them. And I have no doubt that Lois and Eunice were there with a beaten, stoned Paul, make sure I get the name right, Paul, knowing full well that they might come for him. See, Timothy didn't just hear about his faith and and hear about his parents' faith. He saw his parents' faith. He saw his mother and his grandmother's faith acted out when they prioritized their life, when they showed up in places where they could have been hurt and persecuted because they believed in a resurrected Jesus. And that belief trumped all other things. What a faith to inherit. What a trust. What a testimony. Their faith was tested and proved to be rock solid. Now, very quickly, I want to point this out before all the men slouch in their chairs and start to fall asleep because they think this passage does not apply to them or this sermon does not matter to them. I want to go back to Acts chapter 16 just one more time and notice what it says. It says, there was a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Now, we might wonder about this father who was a Greek. This passage, we may in our day and age imply that the, Jew, the woman was a Jewish believer, but then the dad was not interested. Unfortunately, we live in a day and age where all too often we have a mother who is taking their children to church and invested in church, and the father is not. However, I don't believe this is the case. I don't believe that is what happened here. I don't think that's what, why it is written this way. Now, we don't know what kind of man this was because it does not really necessarily, I can't speak now, necessarily, there it is, say the right thing, say what he was. But we do know that he married a Jewish woman who was a believer And so despite the fact that he was a Greek, and most of the time a Greek man would not want to take on a Jewish wife with their customs and their traditions, yet he did, which might have meant they had some common ground in the difference between being a Greek and being a Jew, and that common ground may have been Christ. But also notice the name that they gave their son. Timothy is not a a Hebrew name, it is a Greek name, but the name Timothy means honoring God. And so this Greek man and this Jewish woman broke the customs of their day, became married and named their son, he who honors God. I don't know. Sounds like he might be a believer to me. I think it is certainly possible that they were both believers And it should be a reminder to us men that our faith matters to our kids in the very same way. This man, this Timothy, it says of him that that he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in these cities. Men, we are going to focus on the ladies today. 
but you have a legacy of faith as well. And so don't skirt that, that responsibility. The second observation that we should make from this passage is that a mother's instruction takes. Now, what I mean by that is, is a lot of times, moms, you feel like you're talking to a brick wall, don't you? Yes, I'm looking at you, Denise. Um, <laughs> you feel like you're talking and no one is listening. How many times, mothers, have your kids said, gosh, why are you yelling? And you said, because you didn't listen the first 18 times. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that happens. And you might think as you are going through and you are trying to teach your kids and you're trying to instruct them, and maybe you're your kid's vacation Bible school teacher or Sunday school teacher, or maybe you're trying to tell them a Bible story or tie in what Scripture says as you go along the road and you feel like you are getting nowhere. I want to encourage you today. Your instruction is taking. They are getting it. I recently saw a picture on social media that read these words. It said, parenting expert, children model the behavior that they see. Me, false. They see me clean and they do not clean. I thought that was very profound. My children, I do believe, are making a white sock collection right on the, the moment you walk into our door. Because I know every guest that comes to our house would love to see how many white socks my daughters have. So this one hit home to me. We think that what we are teaching them is not, they're not hearing it, they're not receiving it, they don't know it. But it is. It's getting in there. And you may not see it today. You may not see it tomorrow. You may not see it a year from now. But God willing, you'll see it. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says this. Paul, again, writing to Timothy, says, You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Paul's challenge to Timothy in this passage is to hold fast to the word, reminding him of what he has learned from childhood and who taught him. We don't know what kind of child Timothy was. Maybe he was like Sean and liked to run up and kick the music minister's knees. We don't know. But what we do know is that from his early age, from childhood, that he had instruction in the way of the, of the Lord. And that both his mother and his grandmother and men, I would dare argue his father, gave him the spiritual instruction that would lead him to bear spiritual fruit when he was an adult. I say this today because for those of you in this room, do not give up hope. Do not give up hope in your kids and the teaching you are doing them. And whether your child is a year old or whether your child is sitting with you and they are 55 years old, 
Do not give up on them. Continue to encourage them. Continue to show them what the Lord says and what the Bible teaches. And continue to hope and pray that they will become, as, as Timothy was, convinced of what they have learned. Make no mistake, and this is true of both of all of us in this room, whether you are a male or a female, whether you are a mother or you are not a mother or a father or not a mother, no matter what, make, take this to the bank. When you pour into others for the sake of God's glory, God will work in them. We don't know how, but he will. Because he says he will. This leads us to our final charge. And, and in light of the fact, ladies that, and, and, and men too, in light of the fact that, that our, our faith is, is, going, is being noticed and our teachings are being heard, even if we may not entirely, I want us to give this last statement that we have, a, that there is a child's call to honor. There is a, that, that for every woman that has poured into your life and every man that has discipled you, there is a call to live on that le- in that legacy. I want to direct your attention again to the last few verses of our passage, verses 6 and 7. Paul says this to Timothy, in light of who Lois is, in light of who Eunice is, he says this, For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. You are here today probably because someone shared Christ with you. In fact, I would venture that all of you are here today because someone talked about Jesus to you and you ended up here. Whether you are even a believer or not. For many of us, that was our mother or our grandmother or maybe even a a sister or an aunt. For many of us, that was because of a Sunday school teacher or, or a female volunteer or even a male volunteer in the youth group. But there was somebody in your life that cared about your spiritual well-being and was concerned for your eternity. They have shared Christ with us. They discipled us. They showed us right from wrong. Not because they wanted us just to come to church once a year on Mother's Day. Not because they just want us to be a good boy or a good girl. In this day and age, we talk about being a well-adjusted individual. It's more than that. They cared about you before, for more than just being a well-adjusted individual. They did those things because they wanted to see you grow into what God wants you to be. Indeed, for what God created you to be. They did this because they knew that God could and that God would do fantastic things in your life. And if you are in Christ, he has given each and every one of us spiritual gifts to use for his kingdom. This means that our call today is to honor their efforts by doing what God has called us to do. We honor those women, those moms, those grandmas, those aunts, as well as those dads and grandfathers and uncles and men who have poured into our lives because they wanted to see us walk with Jesus. 
So let us walk with Jesus. Let us walk with boldness and love and discipline. Let us make the name of the Lord known. Let us continue the legacy that these women and these men have have given us. And let's see that go to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. Let us look beyond maybe even our own homes into other places where we can be that spiritual mother or father or brother or sister. And let's take the legacy to them. And let's see more and more and more become alive in the Spirit to do the work of the Spirit for the glory of God. If you're with us today and you are asking the question, what does that mean? What do I do? Does that mean I just need to go to church more? No. Might. But that's just a starting point. I would call you to do and to focus on first the one thing that we know we're all called to do. And that's found in Matthew 28. And Jesus spoke up and saying to them, he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You may ask yourself the question, what am I supposed to do? How do I continue this legacy of faith? Maybe a simple answer is do something. Do something, but not for yourself. Do something for the glory of God. Do something that will lead people to know who Jesus is. Do something that will point people to saving faith in Christ Jesus. Will you? Will you sit here with your mom and remember the impact of those wonderful women that had such a a powerful influence on your life? Take them to dinner, say a prayer with them, over them, give them a box of chocolates or some flowers, and then go back to life as usual? Or will you rise up, honor their efforts, and give your whole life and soul to Christ? seeing their legacy of faith carry on in those who we disciple and we share Christ with. I have no doubt for some of us in this room, that means finally, fully surrendering ourselves to God. Crying out to Jesus Christ and saving faith. The question is not how, will you continue the legacy of faith that you have inherited from those around you? But will you carry the legacy of faith? Or will you allow it to die with you? In our church, we share the gospel a very certain way in a thing we call the three circles. And in the three circles, we uh, begin with God's design. 
And we believe that God created the heavens and the earth. In fact, Genesis 1, 1 and 2 says that. That God created the heavens and the earth. And, and what that means is that God made everything. In fact, at the, the very end of creation, in, in Genesis chapter 2, it says that God looked at creation and he said, very good. Because everything was made with purpose for a purpose. And guys, that includes every single person in this room. When we even talk about the legacy of faith, we are assuming that God made you on purpose with a purpose. And if we would just do that, things would be good. But it doesn't take much time looking in the news or looking around the world to realize that we don't do that. But we depart from God's design, and that's called sin. And sin is just doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, regardless of what God wants us to do. We're just doing our, thing, our own thing. We're creating our own design and our own purpose. And when we do that, we find ourselves in a place of brokenness. Now, brokenness is something that, that the Bible speaks of. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wages of sin is death. But I don't probably need to give you all the Bible verses on brokenness because you feel it. You see it. You see brokenness in the world. Even this morning, we talked about Sunrise Children's Services, and I can't think of a, a stronger reminder of the brokenness in our world than to know that there are children that have no home and have no mom and have no dad. I mean, we live in such a broken world where we have children who have no home, have no mom, have no dad, and our government wants to make it harder to find them. And we all feel that brokenness inside of us because we feel like we could be better do better, try harder. And no matter what we try to do, and no matter how hard we work or pass it on to our kids or, or numb it with drugs or alcohol, we realize that we can't escape brokenness from brokenness. And so Christ stepped in. And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news that God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. And it says that, so whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. This means that God sent Christ. He lived a perfect life. The life we couldn't live because we were broken people. And he did that so that he could take the punishment on our behalf, which he did on the cross. And not only did he die on the cross, but he rose from the grave three days later to defeat sin and our brokenness. The Bible says that if we will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. We understand that in, in our church to mean that first we need to repent. And repent just mean, doesn't just mean that we just stop doing bad things. Repent means that we turn away from our sin and our brokenness and we turn to Christ. That's what it means to say, make, declare, to confess Jesus as Lord. We repent from our sins, turning to Christ, believing that Jesus is the Christ, God in the flesh, who did, in fact, raise from the grave. And when we do that, we are able to begin to recover and pursue God's design for our life. If you want to live on to, in this legacy of faith that we've talked about all morning, it starts right here. And so my question for you today is, where are you on this picture? I can tell you right now that I know, and not that I know all of you personally, but I know you're not still living perfectly in God's design. 
And if you have not received Christ, then at best you might be attached to one of those squiggly lines trying to do it on your own. But if you take for a moment and if you are honest with yourself, if you know that you are stuck in that brokenness, our question for you today is what is keeping you for making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, believing in him and confessing him as Lord? And if the answer is nothing, then we invite you to receive Christ today. We're going to close our service in prayer this morning. I'm going to be standing right up here. Actually, let me rephrase that. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close with a song. And I'm going to be standing right up there. And as Joe leads us in our last song, we would invite you to come up, have a conversation with me, because if you are ready to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we would plead with you today, don't wait one more day. But give your life to Christ and begin that legacy of faith that was probably started by your mom or your grandma or some other special lady that had an impact on your life. Let's pray. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we thank you so much for your word, God, because we know your word is true. God, we praise you that you would love us and God, that you would give us these wonderful, wonderful women that would share Christ with us, influence us for the gospel to be a constant reminder that there is a God in heaven and that he is good and that he loves us. God, I know for many in this room, that person that loved them may not have been their mother, but it was some woman, some person who believed that they needed to hear the gospel. And they've heard the gospel because of that. Father God, even if they are hearing the gospel today, for the very first time. Lord, I pray that you would help them to start a legacy of faith in their life that will carry to their children and to their grandchildren to the third and the fourth generation. But God, we know that it all starts with making Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. So God, it is my prayer that even now you are convicting the hearts of each and every member here to either carry on this legacy or to give their life to Christ today. And God, we ask these things in the precious name of Christ Jesus. Amen.